0: I mean, you know, it, it, there, there's these softball things that preachers can do And you, you kind of expect a response, you know And, and it, it it warms the preacher up, you know, it gets them ready And when the softball responses don't get anything I just don't know what to do But I'm going to try it again Mothers are pretty awesome, aren't they? That's a whole lot better Whew, man I got a bit offended when my wife mentioned about that, you know if it was easy, men could do it, and for about half a second I was offended, and then I was like, no, what, she's right. My wife stays home with the kids, and, and she can handle three kids, and laundry, and cook, and all of that, and I have to babysit my kids for a couple hours, and my life falls apart. I, I just can't pull it all together. I wish I could. But let me tell you a few things that moms can do, and, and if, you'll, if you'll walk with me, I've got a point to all of this that I believe we need to hear, but moms have the ability to super clean the house when someone calls and says they'll be dropping over in about five minutes. How many of you moms have that superpower? It's amazing. They, they know exactly where an empty box is to dump things in, what room to put it in. They can vacuum clean it once while putting their hair up and start the coffee. If we could harness that kind of super energy, that superpower, uh, nuclear fission would go out the window. They can listen to always overly descriptive drama like he took my baseball cards and she had more ice cream and it's not fair that she's sitting in my seat and I can't go to school today because I don't have cool shoes or you can insert anything you want to put in there that kids love to argue about or make drama. And then in the middle of listening to all that drama, they will give some Wisdom like Solomon in deciding the solution and sometimes moms the solution is close the door walk away and let them just fight it out they can drive here and there and everywhere and back to here and back to there and back to everywhere again again and again and again and aren't moms thankful for Starbucks and Pandora or Apple Music or whatever it might be they can erase bad dreams at night it involves waking mom completely up holding the children, tucking them into Bed, moving them to her own place of sleep knowing that there will be the moment that that baby or that child uh, gets into their bed that sleep of their own will no longer be there but instead it will be something akin to a martial arts exercise when you try to avoid the hands and the feet smacking you in the face and the big toe that goes up the nostril and the child sleeps while you're now awake. They can cook meals. They can slave over meals. They will invent meals. They will do everything to put the best meal on the uh, uh, the, the table only to be met with, I don't like this. This is I don't like it. I don't want to eat this. And then be said when they fix boxed macaroni and cheese, this is the best meal ever, Mom. This pasta with dried milk powder has to be the best meal ever. Moms know how to replace things, like the toilet paper roll that the child left sitting on the back of the toilet, or the husband left sitting on the back of the toilet, or the paper towel rolls, or the hand towels, or the light bulbs in the bathroom that burn out, or the pencils that are now broken, or the markers, or anything, moms know how to replace them. They understand the art of playing games. It starts with slapjack where the mom's hands are just a little slower than the child's or the sneaky skill of playing Candyland and hiding the card where you have to go back to the beginning so the child doesn't have to experience the crushing loss of defeat to learn when it's truly okay to win. And you teach the art of shaking hands and playing good and, 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 and saying good games. Moms are awesome at skilled negotiating and they can make negotiating sometimes not feel like bribery even though many times it's exactly that. If you'll go to bed, child, and go to sleep in the next 10 minutes, I'll give you a dollar. Moms, let me give you a hint. If you're having a hard time with your children and you can't get any rest, if you will tell your children, uh, kids, I'm going to take a nap. When I get up, we're going to clean the house. You will sleep for five hours because that child will do everything humanly possible not to wake you up. Thank you. You'll, You'll thank me later for that. Moms are the orc and pest control person disguised as a mom, those creepy crawly things. Mom will scream, they will go crazy, but things that are moving in the house that shouldn't be. But invariably you go get mom and it doesn't matter if mom has to use up the entire paper towel roll, enough to wipe up the largest BP spill to dispose of that teeny tiny spider. You become the bug's worst nightmare until the child says, you're going to kill it? And you have to find that same gigantic wad of paper towels to disperse of that arachnid in your child's bedroom and then you have to carefully pick it up and go let it outside so you don't break your poor child's heart even though inside you're screaming and hollering. They can open things that us men cannot open. I'm not necessarily talking about brute force but have you ever tried to open one of those fruit cups that are filled with juice all the way to the top? Moms know how to open that completely and they know how to open it while they're juggling a toddler on their hip holding four bags of grocery and a grande caramel macchiato. They can open cans when the can opener is broken. Moms know the answer to, I'm hungry, I'm starving, there's nothing to eat, when's dinner, can I have a snack? Over and over and over again. And when mom offers apples or carrots or anything healthy and you hear that reply, oh, I don't want that, then moms know that perfect response of, well, then you're not really hungry anyway. Moms can stay up late no matter what for those times when the teenager is out or the middle schooler needs to be picked up or a crazy sleepover and she's uttered lights out a dozen times but still the giggles come from the the living room and, and, and it's okay. Moms have just found this ability to just completely give up sleep for 18 years per child. Moms understand that it's once in a while okay to say yes at the stuff at the end of the cash register counter. It might be gum, it might be that overpriced bag of fruit snacks, it it might be the Lego stuff in the little bags, it might be silly putty, it could even be a roll of scotch tape, because you know, moms sometimes your kids just have to have that scotch tape they saw at the end of the aisle. They get it. They have the ability to translate two-year-old baby talk. Moms know how to hide chocolate. I don't really have anything else for that, y'all get it. It's a brilliant survival tactic. Moms are not afraid to dance in the kitchen, to spin out loud, or to sing out loud, to spin in circles, to play music, and have fun, and just allow the kids to do it as well. Moms, you can find that one pencil right now at the end of the school year, that one pencil in your whole house that still works. It doesn't matter if you bought 18 packs of pencils at the beginning of the school year when they you could buy a pack for like 10 cents and you bought all those pencil sharpeners but now as you get to the end of the school year you can't find a pencil in your house and you can't find a sharpener and the kid comes and needs homework and forgot their pencil at home and you know exactly where to find one. You might have to whittle it away with a knife or something so they can write but you know how to do that. Moms, you're learning and you can take a teenage daughter shopping knowing how to suggest that what is chosen shouldn't be worn, that there's some things the teenage girls ought never to wear and you gracefully direct them away from that ridiculous clothing. It's all about a skill, mom, and you possess it. You understand that slam doors and I hate you during the time of storming about might just be normal and you don't take it personal. You have the ability. My wife is an awesome example of this. Moms, you have the ability to find things that are lost. They could be lost for 30 seconds. They could be lost for 10 minutes. They could be lost for a million years. You know where it is. It can be from the mom, I can't find the ketchup in the fridge or as it happened in our house yesterday when I said I can't find the soy sauce and mom found the soy sauce right where the soy sauce should be. You can make things work. Like kites going into the air knowing in about 10 minutes when you hand it over to the child that kite's going to be in the next door neighbor's tree. You believe in your kids. You believe in their dreams. Moms are awesome. Have you ever thought about really the things that mom does? And I know we take a whole day like right now and we give them all these credits and we give them all these accolades. But in reality, one day just doesn't quite cut it when you talk to a mom. All of you are here because of a mom. What not you think about that? The first time that your mom laid eyes on you. It was one of the most painful experiences in your mom's life. And she still loves you. Us guys, we're not built that way, and I'm thankful. Because I'd have been like, I'm done. Hurt me once, I'm done. Moms have this ability to love you when you're completely Unlovable. They change your diaper and they clean you up after some of the worst disasters of, of ecological proportions. And they know how to do that and still love you. They've, and 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 I, I don't necessarily mean to be gross, but they've been peed on and they've been spit up on and they've been smacked and they've been hit and still they love you. Why don't you listen to that for a second? I'm going somewhere. I'm not just just having a Mother's Day sermon. I, I just I want to get there and, and do it. But moms. Love you when you are unlovable. Moms care for you. They, they were willing to give up some of their own dreams. They're willing to give up their own time. They're willing to give up their own life. All so that you might grow, that you might learn. I've watched moms put food on the kids plate and mom didn't get enough because the boys are eating us out of house and home. I've watched mom's uh, uh, sacrifice. My wife, it drives me crazy. I don't get this mentality. This is why I'm not a mom. If you hand me a gift card and you say, Happy birthday, Brandon. Here's a gift card. Guess who Brandon's spending that gift card on? Brandon. I don't care if my kids have nothing. It's my gift card. Ladies, when y'all bless my wife and you give her gift cards, I watch her, she goes, and she buys stuff for Zeke, and she buys stuff for Zane, and she buys stuff for Zoe, and I beg, and I plead, and I, I, I give ultimatums. I say, you can't buy anything for the kids. You can only buy something for yourselves. But that's how a mom operates. My children come first. The ones that I'm nurturing, the ones that I'm raising, the ones that I birth, the ones that I am caring for, the ones that I'm trying to grow, because one day they're going to be big enough to possibly be mothers and fathers of their own. Moms are amazing. That was your cue to say yes. You can preach next time, Brother Richardson. I'm going to let you preach Mother's Day. Y'all think I'm joking. I hate preaching Mother's Day. How do you, how do you preach on Mother's Day? I think I ought to just, you know, say, Happy Mother's Day, send you home. Y'all going to go eat and have fun. But, you know, that's not what y'all paid me to do, so I'm going to preach. So I was sitting in my, my chair, and I said, Lord, what do we preach on Mother's Day? And I begin to think of everything I just said, everything that moms do, everything that, that, that moms put up with, and, and all of the turmoil, and all of the craziness, and, and all of the, 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 the sad times, and the hard times, and the bad times, and they still love us. And I was drawn to a portion of scripture, Galatians chapter 4 and verse 26. I'm going to read one small verse, I don't have time to give you the whole context, in fact there's a whole other sermon I want to preach out of Galatians chapter 4, there's a whole other sermon I want to really flesh this out and let you know, but I can't do it today, but it simply says this, Jerusalem which is above is free, which is the mother of us all. If you would give me the opportunity without giving you a bunch of Bible verses and weighing you down on a Mother's Day with a lot of, uh, uh, of trying to build this up scripturally, will you just trust me for a moment and let me tell you this, that what Paul was saying here was that there was a moment on the day of Pentecost in an upper room in Jerusalem that the church was birthed. That time where we hear it, we preach about it, The the, the there came a sound as of rushing mighty wind. It filled all the house where they were sitting, 120 of them filled with the gift of the Holy Ghost. After that, one of the greatest baptisms ever happened, baptismal services that never took place, and it was at that moment that the church was birthed. And every Christian since, and every church building or congregation since owes their existence to a church birthed in Jerusalem. If you'll allow me to use this, it was the mother church. Now, y'all gonna have to hold on with me. hold on just for a second, because it's one of those sermons that when I went to bed last night, it keeps playing over and over. It's one of those things, Brother Perryman. When I woke up today, I begin to think, and I begin to see the correlations between the physical mothers and this church that the Bible says and, and, and it uses the word Jerusalem, but again, you just have to trust me, and I'll I'll explain it later in another sermon that it's talking about this church that God birthed, becomes the mother that birthed all of these Christians later and later you're here because of your mother but you're in church you're saved because of a church Oh, I know it might have been your great-grandmother that got in church and and, and taught you the nursery rhymes and taught you the books of the Bible. I understand it may have been a next-door neighbor that invited you to church, but listen to me for a moment. You're here because of the church every time you come and you raise your hands. It's because there's a church that loved you. There's a church that nurtured you. There's a church that birthed you. Now, Sister K, I'm not dumb enough to think that the church is the one that gave you life. We know the Spirit gives you life. And while I know our ladies and our mothers, you're the ones that gave birth, but we know life comes from God. On that day of Pentecost, the Spirit moved and the church was birthed. And after that, we all go back. Every time Paul would start a church in Macedonia or start a church in Ephesus or be a part of a church over there, he would remind them, hey, I know you're a congregation, but you owe your existence to the church. When you were unlovable, the church loved you. When, when you didn't belong anywhere, the church took you in, when, when you didn't know anything about anything, the church spent time and they taught you Bible studies and they, they, they preached sermons to you and there were Sunday school teachers that constantly every day, every Sunday that would spend time with you and they helped you grow, you're here because of the church. And, and, and when, when you can, uh, we, 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 the fact that I can stand and preach today is because of the church, The fact that we can get up and sing and there's people playing the instruments, it's because of the church. And the church loves you. Even when you do things that aggravate the church, the church loves you. Even when you act out, the church loves you. Even when you soil and mess up yourself, the church is there to clean you up and to help you through it, and to walk you through it. The church loves you. You're here because of the church. If you would help me preach my own sermon and help me spend some time and not be here too long, if you would just begin to think of all the things that moms do, and then you can find a spiritual application, that's what the church does as well. We call this thing the new birth. If there's going to be a new birth, something has to be uh, the vehicle that allows that new convert to come and live a life victorious. It's the church. There has to be something that takes the, 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 the swaddle clothes of that new convert when they don't know how to walk right or talk right or do anything on their own. And it's the church that holds them and babies them and feeds them. As the Bible says, sometimes it's just the sincere milk the word. It's the church that says, you know, but there's going to be a time when you got to grow up and we've got to start weaning you away from just those simple doctrines and we got to start feeding you the meat of the word and we're going to help you grow and we're going to walk with you and we're going to be with you and we're going to be there when you take your first steps and we're going to be there when you lift your hands and watch your family come in. We're going to be there when you teach your own first Bible study. You're here because of the church. I want somebody to listen to me very, very carefully. Not every mother has been good. I've lived life long enough. I'm blessed. I got an incredible mother. I got an incredible mother-in-law. I've got an incredible wife. The mother, great grandmothers, the the mother figures in my life have been just the epitome of who mothers ought to be. But I realize that for some, maybe even in this building, you don't have that same view of mothers. I'm not going to make excuses. I can't give you any 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 just kind of quick words and, and gloss over it. I have to understand the, the truth is sometimes there are mothers that did not act very motherly. But sitting in this building and all throughout our county and state and nation, there's a lot of people who say I've been hurt by churches. Listen to me carefully. Just because a mother fails to do her motherly duty does not mean we throw out motherhood. Just because somebody had a mom that treated them bad, abused them perhaps, doesn't mean we take the understanding of what a mother should be and we throw it out and say, well, let's not have any more mothers ever again. No, if you had a bad experience with a mother, then you can allow yourself through the help of God to break that curse and perhaps you can be the mother she never was. But if you've been hurt at a church, it doesn't mean we throw out the church. If somebody in a congregation treated you badly, it doesn't mean we throw out the church. Let me tell you, I don't care where you come from or what you've been through or what's been going on. I'm going to tell you today, you need the church. If you have a bad or have had a bad experience with a mom, I hope somewhere in your life you came across what what Brother uh, uh, Lee said. You came across a motherly figure, someone that you could could adopt, if you will, as a mom. And you said, you know what? I may not have had a great role model in my biological mom, but I found someone who I could see uh, uh, how a mother ought to be. We get that. If you've had a bad experience at a church, or if you've had a bad experience with some congregant that treated you bad let that go and find you a church that will show you what God intended the church to be the church is there to help you grow the church is there to help nurture you the church is there to help you become who God intended you to be it's our mother the mother church and so we begin to Look at how that is. Back in, in uh, uh, let, me, let me get my notes. Back in, you like my pretty yellow paper? That's because my wife printed something and I forgot to change the paper. But I did it for Mother's Day. <clears throat> Back in March chapter 7 and, and uh, March, March chapter 7, verse 10. <laughs> Back on March... Seventh, 2010. I preached a message. Brother Perryman reminded me of this message a few weeks ago. I preached a message called "The Art of a Towel." I-, I talked about, it, if any of you've ever been on a cruise, or if any of you've ever been to a fancy hotel, maybe something like this has happened, and you know, you, you, they, they'll they'll take towels and they'll make. Uh, elephants out of it, and they'll make swans out of it, and 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 they can make monkeys. anybody ever seen one of the folded towel monkeys they hang? It's pretty cool. By the way, your assistant pastor made these. I don't know that he wants everybody to know that, but I think we ought to give it up because he's pretty talented. When 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 we ask, you know, I have job descriptions for all the jobs in the church. And at the bottom of the job description, it simply says this, Brother Bob, anything else the pastor asks you. Am I right? That's what it says. That's one of these anything else the pastor will ask you. But the art of a towel, you can buy books that teach you how to fold towels. You can buy books that will teach you how to, how to, how to make all of these different animals. It's the art of the towel. And back in March the 7th, 2010, I correlated that with how Jesus took the towel and began to wash the disciples' feet. I'm not going to re-preach that because just a few months ago when we had our communion and, and, and consecration service, I preached about the foot washing, and, and I began to tell you about how that Jesus even washed Judas's feet knowing what Judas was about to do, and that Jesus offered communion to, Ju- to Judas even though Judas was about to go betray him, and i I linked it together with all the times that the disciples argued about who was the greatest and argued about who was going to sit on the right hand of God, and Jesus just gets a towel. The reason I'm bringing that back is this. If the church is the mother... And if it's the church that helps birth new people in Christ, if it's the church that helps lead them and direct them and guide them and touch them, my question is, what are you doing in the church? See, moms, Sister Kay, you've raised daughters. You've got now mothers that are coming behind that lineage. Sister Wyatt, you've raised daughters. You've now got mothers that are coming behind you. The church... I'm glad I was birthed by a church I'm glad that I could I could show you where At the church that I knelt down I could show you exactly there on Mark Twain uh, Drive there in, in Bridgeton Missouri at New Life Church I could show you Exactly where it was that I received the Gift of the Holy Ghost I could take you to my Grandparents church where I was baptized In Jesus name I could take you to Sunday School teachers and preachers and pastors And ministers and mentors and Youth pastors and I could show you How the church has helped birth Me and helped nurture me but here the thing at some point I got to become the church and I've got to begin to reciprocate that to someone else. I've got to find the place where I say now what can I do? The reason I bring back the art of the towel is simply this. Yeah I know moms you got spit up on and and all of that, but yet you still kept working. Why? Because you knew what the end result could be. I'm talking to Lighthouse today. I'm talking to an incredible congregation that is growing in leaps and bounds, but I'm also going to remind you today that you are the church and that sometimes new birth experiences can be messy. And sometimes uh, uh, helping them grow from that new babe in Christ to that solid, committed believer, it takes work. You know how we talked about moms laying, you know, putting up their sleep and moms having to lay aside some of their their dreams and things. You know, sometimes you got to lay yourself aside and say, what can I do to help someone come to Christ? Because they need the church. When I say they need the church, I'm not talking about need this building. I love our building. I'm glad it's here. I'm glad we can all fit, but this building doesn't do anything for anybody. It's those that are inside the building that doesn't. All too often we have a concept of motherhood. We have a concept of what motherhood should be. But if it wasn't for some moms that became mothers and moms that begin to walk the path of motherhood, then motherhood would, if they didn't do that, motherhood would just be some, some uh, you know, just cosmic understanding out there that never has any definite stability or, 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 or definition. There's a lot of people that have an idea of what the church should be. But if no one ever becomes the church, then it just stays out there as this untouchable uh, vision of what the church should be. I'm telling you today on this Mother's Day, one of the greatest things you could ever do is to allow the church to do its job and to bring others into this new birth experience, and it does so by you. You're going to get your hands dirty. There'll be spiritually metaphoric diapers you'll have to change. Oh, yeah, you'll be spit up a time or two in it, but you still love them because you understand where they're headed. It's saying you want to come to church, but not just inviting them to church, but say, would you like to ride with me to church? It's And when you get to church, I've got a seat saved for you when you come to church it's would you like to spend some time maybe come over to our house or let's go out to eat or or what how can i help you it's it's raking the yard for your neighbor just to show them that you care it's the art of the towel it's the art of the servant it's the art of motherhood and the church is the mother i want you to stand today i could I guess, spend a lot of time giving you all the nuts and bolts, but I think the word picture will suffice today as I could simply remind you of everything our physical mothers do and then ask you to be that much invested in the development of a new soul in this church. Many of you, you've... I've, I've seen Facebook and many of you have already posted incredible accolades about your mom and all the things that she's done and, 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 and you've, you've, you've talked about how she loved you when you were beating your brother up and you know all these crazy things and I'm asking you today to take that same vision of what your mom has done for you make it a little bit spiritual and realize the church is our mother and say now what can I do for someone so that they can grow in God's grace and God's truth. And so I invite you to close your eyes for a moment. And in doing so, I want you to just put in your mind the image of someone that God has called you to mentor, God has called you to reach, God has called you to lead them to that new birth experience and I want you to realize everything it may take but realize that you're the church and God has called you to help lead them to help guide them to nurture them to be with them sometimes you gotta hold their hand sometimes you gotta baby them sometimes you've gotta walk slower so that they can keep up but if you'll do so there'll be a day that they will grow in grace and truth and they'll get to the place where they in turn become the church and they start mentoring the word perhaps that I should use or the word that would better be used is discipleship, making disciples because that's what we are called to do this church is growing and I want to be a part of it as they begin to sing for a moment I wonder if you could just talk to the Lord Father we love you today God we thank you for the fact that you have given us mothers and I think that you've shown us what mothers ought to be. But Lord, we're asking right now that you would let us see with the eyes of you. So Lord, realize that as important